exactly. I went into like my official visit and I was wearing a black suit, but guess what was wrong with my suit? They have some blue on it? They're Santa Green or what? I was wearing pitch white socks. <laughs> my white socks and my dad was so pissed off at me. But... Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 16 of season 4 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide and recorded from the state of hockey. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hey, everybody. Uh, this week with Dustin off on vacation to the West Coast, I believe. And it now being January, we we decided this was a good week to have our annual mental health episode and decided to reach out to David Johnstone, former Michigan Tech Husky, who's had a couple articles written about him, one here and one on uh, the, the Mining Gazette. Thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we'll spend a good part of the show this week talking to David about his story and his thoughts on mental health and sports. Uh, depending on time, I'm sure we'll also get into the Desert Hockey Classic, uh, how things look for the Huskies uh, returning to Houghton against St. Thomas, and anything that was interesting from the Joe Sean hour. Uh, anything else this this, uh, this episode, guys? No, that sounds like more than enough to give you enough to edit. Yeah, I yeah. know. My, <laughs> my really Tuesday with a cough yeah. is going to be fun. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do the thank you notes, plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll be back to talk about uh, Bell Let's Talk Day. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at livoniatech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A tech.net. Uh, welcome back. You might be wondering why Dave is joining us. Uh, two years ago, we started a tradition of having, uh, with having hockey coach Mark Wick on the show to talk about mental health uh, near Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, this year, with Matt writing David's story, we thought it only fitting to talk to him. Uh, Bell Let's Talk Day is January 25th this year. It's an annual promotion from Bell, a telecommunications company in Canada, every year. It overflows into American hockey. Each uh, social media post using the hashtag Bell Let's Talk results in a donation to mental health in Canada. As most of you know, this topic is important to me and many of us at Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, we'll never forget Minit 
and want to continue to do whatever I can to help people find the support they need to get the help they need so we don't have to hear about losing any more friends or members to, uh, of this community to mental health issues. Um, uh, I know it's always been a big deal to me, but uh, we've talked about that before. Um, Matt, anything you want to say? Yeah, um, I know for a lot of people that are listening, they knew Manit, and it's tough for me to reopen that wound again. But um, just being his friend was just an absolute honor. He had a personality that was larger than life, and it was it was tough because I never really knew the extent to which he was struggling. Like a week before he uh, took his own life, we were having a conversation about how I was starting to get resources for my mental health how he had done the same how it was such a great thing and i thought we were both in a really in a really good spot so it's it was really hard for me to not know what was going through his head and not be there for him at that time so i think these kinds of conversations are really important and with all the stuff that's come out with uh with david this year it's really it's an honor to have you on as well my guy yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it david i just kind of wanted to open up the the floor and let you let you kind of share a little bit more about your story for people that maybe have or have not read uh, the article that I put out, because I think the experience that you had is really important to hear, not just for people in our community, but for anybody in sports that's maybe dealing with a difficult power dynamic, people that are dealing with addiction. I th- there's just so many intertwined parts of your story that I think are important to hear. Yeah, so my story just like resurfaced. Um, you know, I listened to the podcast. I think I was texting Tim about what, you know, recent podcasts and the one with Mike McMahon. And so I didn't feel comfortable coming out and talking about it until it started to resurface. Because as you guys would know, I told many people about my story and a lot of people thought I was fucking crazy when I told them that. Yeah. <laughs> like, they thought I was nuts. And, you know, finally, a lot of people came forward. And there's a lot more to the story than what has been written. It's a lot of, like, mental battles that I still face every day. I understand that it's in the past, but it still affects me today. And it's going to affect me the rest of my life. Um, which I understand. And I've come to the conclusion that it's an ongoing process of rehabilitation, um, which is fine. You know, I completely understand that. It's just a matter of how am I going to do it. So recently, long story short, um, I was diagnosed with depression two years ago. And so they put me on antidepressants. So what happened was they put me on antidepressants, but I didn't cure my bipolar or my schizoaffective bipolar. Um, so it caused me going to go into a manic stage for two years, which is like a long time, um, very long time. And I made some pretty bad decisions like personally, um so i'm kind of like regretting those um but i actually got recently prescribed zoloft um 
So Zoloft is an antidepressant. I've been on it for about a week now and I've actually seen the improvements within a week. Um, so I'm optimistic about what's going to happen um, with taking the new medication um, with my Abilify. So it's just one of those things where it's going to be ongoing. And I have a, a doctor's, I have literally guys, I have a doctor's appointment every two weeks. It's <laughs> like every two weeks I have a doctor's appointment and it's to monitor my medications and monitor my moods and all that stuff. And then it's something that it's, you know, when you first get told that you have, you know, something like this, that's going to affect the rest of your life. It's kind of like shocking, but it's one of those things where, Hey, just go with it, you know, live it up. Like I was a good hockey player when I was at tech and I don't want this disease to kind of hinder what I did or what I have become. I just want to live. I want to make an impact somehow. And if it has to do with the coaching and player relationship, then if I can make an impact that way, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's fantastic what you've been able to put out so far. Like, Anybody that follows you on social media knows that you're super open about everything you're struggling with, what the topic of the day is for you. And it's just, it's, it's been cool to see you just move through your journey. And I know it's been, none of it's been easy. It's been, um, it's been hard diagnosis. It's been hard looking at your past. It's been, I, I know it's been a hell of a battle and it's been really inspiring to see your work there. So to kind of help uh, some of our listeners get into your mind, would you mind kind of, walking us through a little bit of your life story how you grew up how, playing juniors, how you got recruited to tech, some things that happened there. Yeah. What, how long ago do you want me to start? As, as whenever, whatever, whatever timeline you're feeling like. So, um, my parents got divorced when I was super young. Um, maybe like when I was three or four, I have an alcoholic father. Uh, and I haven't talked to him in a while. But anyways, a moral of the story is I had a stepdad that came in. I consider him my dad. Um, and he kind of taught me a lot about hockey. And I probably wouldn't be who the man I am today without him. And so I went to – I actually was better at baseball than I was at hockey. Better – like I was – when I was at – 14 years old, my parents told me you had to pick one or the other, like baseball or hockey. And I decided to pick hockey, but I was better at baseball. <laughs> and my dad never really told me until I got done playing hockey. He told me that I wish he wish I would have stuck with baseball because I probably would have done a lot better. But um, I think I was 14 at that time and I got drafted. I think it was second overall to the Green Bay Gamblers. And that's when kind of everything started to get amplified. Um, and like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, like a fun sport anymore. It started to turn into a job. Um, 
just because the pressures and all that stuff. And I was like super young, 14, 15 years old. And at that time, um, at the end of that year, I had three scholarship offers. Actually, I think it was like in November, I had three scholarship offers. It was Michigan State, Michigan Tech, and Western Michigan. I actually went to – I picked Michigan State over Michigan Tech at the time. I know. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't say anything. <laughs> He's a product of the Lansing hockey scene. You can't yeah. keep fault <laughs> him for that thinking. I remember – I went into like – my official visit and I was wearing a black suit but guess what was wrong with my suit they have some blue on it they're Santa green or what I was wearing pitch white socks <laughs> <laughs> my white socks and my dad was so pissed off at me but um no I actually was I committed to Michigan State and uh it was a lot of stress when I was committed to Michigan state, just because of like the hometown kid, like, yeah. just, Oh, we're expecting a lot of you and all that stuff. But when to go to Traverse city, I was 16 years old playing against Carl Nielsen, who was 21 years old. And I don't know if you guys remember Carl Nielsen. Yeah. He's not a, not a small guy. No, he, he was a very, <laughs> intimidating and, uh, I was like 16 years old going in the corner with that guy. And it was like, it was a rough year for me. And all I wanted to do was just go home. Just want, I just wanted to go home. I didn't play a whole lot. Um, I just wanted to go home and just kind of just be with my family. Like, I think I moved away when I was too young. Um, and I see that kids nowadays want to move away when they're super young. I'm just like, don't do it. Like you have so much just hang out, like, Enjoy yeah. being a kid. You know. You're 14, 15 years old. Why do you want to move away from home? I get that it's like kind of the experience and stuff like that. But that year kind of really put a put a toll on me because I didn't play a whole lot. And I was coming to Michigan State. And it put a lot of stress on me because of this threat, like, not the reputation, but like the what's the word I'm looking for? The anticipation, if that if that makes sense. Um, so I went back home at the end of the year, and I worked out at four o'clock in the morning, and then I got drafted. Or actually, this is a so you talk about like me playing hockey at Tech. So this is like my hockey like this is the ultimate hockey thing so you know guys know john cooper and jeff flashel right yep yep big names so john cooper just got hired at green bay i was drafted by green bay but jeff flashel went to indiana uh after his stint at miami of ohio i believe but anyways, John Cooper traded me to Jeff Blaschel for <laughs> Indiana. That's like my thing is like John Cooper traded me to Jeff Blaschel. So I went to Indiana to go play. I played there for two years and 
at that time, Michigan State wanted me to age out in juniors, but my last year of juniors, I was having a good year and decided that that wasn't the best option. Um, so I actually called Michigan State the year, the day, it was like the week of signing with them. And I told them that I wasn't going to sign with them. And what happened was they weren't very happy. And then I committed to Michigan Tech like a week later just because I'm still with my brother. I know you guys are happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's, there's a lot more to the story of like my coach in Traverse City wasn't the best. Like I was young. And I don't think he liked me that much just because I was young. He was expecting a lot out of me and it kind of shut me down a little bit just because when the stress and all that stuff, I think I developed a lot of like stressors and all that stuff in hockey when I was super young, just because I moved away too when I was too young, um, just because of all the stress that comes in. Because once you move away from home, it's not, it's not, it's not a game anymore. Like when you go play juniors, it's, it's a business. And the thing about that coach and juniors is my dad always told me, you know, he's got, he's got a family to support. And if he's not winning hockey games, he's going to do whatever it can to make win hockey games. And if that means moving some players away, he's going to move some players away. And it didn't really hit me until my first year about halfway through like oh this shit's fucking real and I realized that I had to put a lot more work into like my off-ice training and all that stuff just because like I was a lot better skill-wise on the ice but physically I wasn't the biggest person I think I hit my growth spurt when I was 17 I think I was like five seven five eight until I was 17, then I shot up to 5'11". So it was it was a rough road. Yeah, it seems like a lot of rough reality to face uh, really young. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the whole, the whole billet system, right? I mean, you're moving away from home. You're living with somebody else. That, that's a big change for anybody to do. And oh. you throw on top of it that, you know, it's a physically demanding sport too. Yeah, and the thing about it is, like, my dad, when he was sick for dinner, like, it would be, like, a, you know, three, four-course meal, potatoes, steak, green beans. And then you go to a Bill family who cooks you, like, chicken fingers and grapes for dinner. You're like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. You know, it's like... It definitely there, makes like, sense. It. Dinner. This is a snack. Come on. Yeah, and it... It, it kind of flips life on, on its head at a really young age because I'm trying to think of myself at, like, 14, 15-year-olds. Like, what is that, like, freshman, sophomore in high school? Like, that's a really formative time in a lot of people's lives, and you're already, like, moving away and starting to create create the business of yourself to sell to schools to play hockey, and that's just that's a huge responsibility, especially when you're being away from mom and dad for that long. Yeah, it's especially, dude, like, if I could do it all over again, I'd probably stay another year. I was way too young when I moved away from home. Like, I have an older brother who did the same thing, 
moved away when he was super young and he actually stopped playing hockey just because I don't think, I think physically he was ready, but mentally like moving away from home, it just gets at you. Like, I don't know, you know, I can see moving away from home when you're playing hockey, but when you're playing juniors where you're not playing, like you're in and out of the lineup, it kind of wears and tears at you. Like it's it's mentally it will screw you up in the head just because you know you're a good hockey player but you're not playing so it's like what am I doing wrong what am I doing right and sometimes the coach doesn't talk to you about it because he's got to have that separation between head coach and player because sometimes the assistant coach is like the good guy and then the head coach is the bad guy it's like good cop bad cop so yeah you don't know what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. And it's just, you're kind of in limbo for a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that uh, we've already kind of touched on your time at tech when we were, when we talked together, but a lot of our listeners probably haven't gotten a chance to hear that. So do you want to walk through your process of how you picked tech? Um, what kind of happened while you were here? what the dynamic was like, how you were feeling. Yeah. Things of that nature. So I picked tech just because my brother was there and I wanted to go play with my brother and it'd be easier on my parents, of course. Um, but when I was playing at tech, the first year was, it was good. I mean, it was – Mel wasn't as – I think he gained a lot of trust in a lot of people when he first came along just because he was super lenient. And then things started to get a lot stricter and a lot stricter. And it was just – I was at that stage in my career where I didn't have to – I didn't have to have somebody tell me what I needed to do to get ready to play a hockey game. And it got to a point where it got so like controlling from my standpoint, it could be different from somebody else's standpoint, but from my standpoint, it was so controlling. Like it was one of those things where I just, didn't feel comfortable playing in the lot and like away from the rink, like on the ice, he would let me do my thing, but away from the lot, like it was more or less like he was just like super controlling when it came to, he didn't like to fly. The guy didn't like to fly. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he would make a trip to Alabama Huntsville in like a week and he would come we would make uh the trip back in like two days he would like stretch it out but that's where i started to get like hurt like my i mean i always was hurt i'm not gonna say i wasn't hurt i was always hurt when i played um i started getting a really bad addiction to uh adderall like a poor um I used to like, so I used to chew tobacco too. Um, so I used to chew a whole can a day on game day 
and I used to like break the pieces up and put it in my chewing tobacco and then put it in my mouth. And um, it kept me going, um, which is kind of hard to say because, you know, you talk about like people who drip acid and stuff like that. And I was pretty much putting amphetamines in my mouth and sucking on them. Um, but I got to a point where with my concussions and stuff like that and the pressures of performing at a high level, like I just needed some, an extra boost. So that's what I would do. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, we won a lot of games, which was a positive. Yeah. (laughs) We appreciated that part of it. The fact that your list is on the century club is something that nobody can ever take away from you. You're objectively one of the best players offensively to ever play for tech, which is, yeah. yeah. So from what happened, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about this year was like, how, like, did anybody on the team know any of this? So I didn't, I didn't talk about it a whole lot just because like, like distance myself just because you don't want to be that teammate that is like, Oh, coach is an asshole coaches. So-and-so coaches doing this coaches doing that just because the team's almost selfish and you don't want to be that teammate that comes off as, Oh, you're just looking out for the better of yourself. And I've had numerous teammates who reached out to me like, uh, you know, Shane Hanna, Blake Kietela, um, those are just a couple of guys that had no idea what was going on just because like through my family is, you know, I, my family always told me blood runs thicker than water. And so when I was at tech, <clears throat> those guys were my family and I didn't want them to understand. I didn't want them to, you know, worry about stuff no. that was on just because of the, what we were trying to do like my senior year we made the tournament for the first time that's when it got really bad but um i just didn't want them to worry and i kind of distanced myself just because i didn't want them i i lost a lot of i'm not gonna say i lost a lot of good like friendships but it was one of those things where it was more of a professional setting in the locker room for me and a lot of the guys it wasn't more of a friendship it was more professional yeah um, so it kind of sucked in that aspect but i did have a couple close friends like blake pietola who was a good captain and i think he kind of know knew what was going on and yeah it was it was rough um i just you don't want to say something like that that's going to bring the team down so i just kind of sucked it in to myself and kind of took it all in by myself and kind of distanced myself. Yeah. It's hard not to at times. And I know back when we had Mark Wick on, that was one of the big things I think he talked about too, from the hockey player side or from, from the athlete side of like, you you don't want to let anybody else down. And he talked about it too, from like a friendship side where you don't want to, um, you don't want to burden your friends with They're your wor- problems, even They're though wor- we need to. We need to be better about it because we all want to help each other. 
and um and it's not easy for any of us to do it i mean um uh i i've been you know not mental but i've been sick for four days here had to go get my daughter from school on friday and we got a bunch of snow and my snowblower is broken and i bought a replacement belt the belt came it's the wrong size so i'm still stuck without a snowblower my driveway still had a bunch of snow and i backed out of my driveway it slipped and i went too far to the left and got stuck <laughs> and i'm trying to shovel it out myself climbing out of my car because i can't get out the driver's door because the driver's door is up against like an ice wall <laughs> and i'm trying for like an hour to get myself unstuck and i finally had to go ask the neighbors for help because i couldn't keep doing it by myself while i'm feeling bad and i you know i didn't want to bother anybody and it's a different thing but it's the same idea of like i should have just asked for help right away because it's going to be really hard for me to do it by myself and the thing about it too is especially playing up and i mean you guys know who how tech is with like the hockey community and stuff like that it's like it's yeah. like a whole community and and if you say anything or if you do anything or if you just don't play like people talk it's like oh why isn't he playing why why is you know why is david doing why is david saying this why is david doing that you know and it was just i felt like i was so sheltered at the time like i couldn't say anything i couldn't do anything it was just i was in my own little bubble and yeah. i actually classes to not go to the rink <laughs> which was a horrible decision on my part um but I took a, a class on Mondays because I just didn't want to go to the rink because it got so bad. I didn't even finish the class. Yeah. That makes sense. There are just so many moving parts to why you felt that way. Some of it's the just societal pressure to keep, keep things to yourself as a man. Some of it is just hockey culture. Like you've got to always suck it up for the boys. Some of it was the power dynamic that was going on in the locker room. There's just so many moving parts that are are we're, we're connected to make you feel really stuck. Is kind of what my impression of your story was like when we when we talked the first time and talking again now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's just you don't want to you, you grow like you you play with a guy you play with teammates for four years. You know you don't want to let them down. You know yeah. you become, you become family. Like, I didn't want to let Tanner down. I didn't want Blake down. I didn't want both, like, Blake, he had a lovely, you know, Riley Sweeney, Jimmy Davis. Like, you don't want to let those guys down, so you suck it up. And it gets to a point where is it enough to, you know, like, are you going to suck it up enough where it affects your mental well-being? Or is it one of those things where you have to kind of put your foot down and be like, hey, enough is enough? Yeah. So I'm trying to find a good way to word this. Um, <laughs> it's, um, from the athlete side of things, um, how do you feel, or do you feel that there's a connection between the, uh, like your your drug use, the pressures that you had, 
um, the systems that were in place, whether it be like just hockey culture in general, the culture that was built up in the locker room that just kind of made you feel like the decisions you made were the only option you had? I think there's a lot of factors into it. So I think that the hockey had a lot to do with it. I also think academics had a lot to do with it because I wasn't the best in school. I'm going to be honest. Um, I struggled, but I was a person that if I was going to focus on something, it had to be one thing. And the one thing was going to be hockey. Um, So that's where I developed that addiction uh, just because um, I was taking more to like perform better just because of the pressures but then I was taking this right amount to perform in the classroom, if that makes sense. Um, but like as much as I hate to do this and make a like put a joke in, it kind of reminds me of the Trailer Park Boys thing where Jim Leahy was just drunk enough to know what he was doing, or he was just sober enough to know what he was doing and just drunk enough to really enjoy doing it. Right. <laughs> kind of like the line you were writing. And it's it sucked man like i i mean looking back at it right now like i wish i never got prescribed what i was prescribed just because of how addicted that stuff can get and especially the state i was in just because i with the concussions and all that stuff um i just i wish i would have just maybe tried a little bit harder in school instead of trying to go get the easy way out of getting like diagnosed. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough my last two years. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things you see across all pro sports and it filters its way down to, you know, college sports eventually too, is all the new concussion protocols and stuff like that. Do you think those, if those things were in place to the point it would have helped? So concussions. Um, I think that when I was there, they did a good job of doing the proper percussion or concussion protocol and all that stuff. I just think that there needs to be a certain I think there needs to be a better protocol in place. Like you talked about, like the, I think Matt was mentioned something about the Tua Tagovailoa when like me and him were texting about it. Um, with me, as yeah, like, I was mid writing your story when that happened. Yeah, it was that, that concussion scared me and concussions. Like I have CTE and it's perfectly fine. Uh, it's just one of those things I have to deal with. Um, it's the matter of when your coach kind of like pushes you to play when you're not ready to play. Yeah. Which can kind of throw things off a little bit. Um, it got so bad. I think I was out for like two months that all I wanted to do was just be a hermit and sit in a cabin. Like I, I, I remember my concussion was so bad my sophomore year. No, it was my junior year. 
that I had to wear sunglasses um, because like sunlight was like bothering me. And then one semester I had to take, is it I or, excuse me, <laughs> was it I or W's that you can't like finish the class or something like that? Is that uh, like- w is withdrawn. Like you, you pulled out of it. I is incomplete. You haven't finished it but they're giving you a chance to finish it up later or you just never got done or something like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We're all, we're all a decade out here. Too, yeah. It's been part. a long time, <laughs> but I think withdraw is the one where you like yeah. drop the class. You don't get dinged, think, but you, it was too late I, to not show up on your transcript. Right. Yeah. I think I got like the, my two concussions back to back. I got two of them. I think I got like, four or five eyes and that's what yeah. screwed like trying to like finish my degree so because i couldn't go to class like like i couldn't even function i couldn't do anything like that i couldn't even like all i wanted to do was just sit in my room in the darkness it sucked it was like yeah. horrible no i believe that and I think that perspective is really healthy, not just for you, but also for everybody that might be listening. Because even though Mel is the most high-profile case, even though he's kind of the hot-button person to talk about, it's a systemic issue. Like, in a way, everybody's a king. In a way, all the players are pawns. And how the king manages them, so to speak, is is important and there's a lot of places i'm sure mel is not the only one who's who sacrificed the uh the well-being of his players to try to get ahead and right it's it's a it's a systemic problem that even though we've got the one high profile example we've really gotta we've got to talk about it because the only way things can get better is if we we have these discussions yeah. mm-hmm. and they're tough discussions i'm gonna put that out there they're fucking hard to have <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah Thank and you. I, fucking hard no to don't have. don't worry about it you the, the battles you've been through you've earned your four-letter words <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's it, it's incredibly brave of you to just be as open as you are about everything that's happened that you you took the time to talk to me that you you're willing to talk about it again that you continue to talk about it every day that you can it's just it, I, I i can't like as as a fan of the team i'm proud of you and i feel like i can call you my friend now with all the interaction we've had and as a friend i'm proud of you as well thank you man you're my friend you've always been my friend come on (laughs) no (laughs) and i appreciate you to continue you know talking about it on facebook um like just just your posts just talking about it i it's so important for people to know this stuff happens and that that they're not alone in their experiences of something similar that, you know, a guy like you went through stuff like that, that I went through stuff like that, 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 uh, Matt's had his own demons. I don't Rob, I, you haven't gotten into it too much about it, but you know, I've had my own bouts with depression and and everything else. And there's, there's stuff going on and, and nobody's alone in all of this. So, um, yeah. And yeah. Speaking of the mental health piece of it, just with you with you understanding what's going on and really knowing how to take ownership of 
what's going on with your brand and your previous battles. That's that's a relatively new topic for you. You said that when we talked the last time, it was like six months that you really knew everything that was going on with your brand and everything really made sense. So this is a battle that's not even really a, a year old for you. So do you kind of want to talk a little bit about how you how you figured out some of that some of those things, how you got the help you needed? Yeah. So I recently stopped talking to a psychiatrist. So my psychiatrist, so I'm on Abilify, um, which is like a mood disorder, which is my, for my schizoaffective. Um, but excuse me, there's nothing that's curing my depression right now. So that's why I had to talk to start talking to a nurse, nurse practitioner about my, uh, depression. Um, so that's when, like I said, I've been on Zoloft for a week and I feel I'm, I'm not sleeping. I usually sleep like 20 hours a day and I'm not sleeping. So I'm doing a lot better. Um, I feel, I feel good. Um, it's just, I got to monitor, monitor it for the, like the next like week or so, just because you know how antidepressants take a while to build up in your system. Mm-hmm. So I got to just keep monitoring it and every two weeks, <laughs> another appointment. Um, it's just one of those things where it's going to be an ongoing process and I just have to kind of understand that that's what my life is going to be from here on out and go from there. Yeah. Good for you to seek the help and, and know you needed a change again. That's never easy. Um, yeah, the the whole realizing something isn't working when it had been is, is not a fun part of this because it's not fun to find a new med or find a new dose that works right because it all takes so much time to wean on and off everything. The um, dose sucks. What's that? The dose is the worst. Like, yeah. the self isn't the worst part it's the dose yeah yeah figuring it all out is and and getting the dose right is is a, a challenge for all this so but yeah good on you for taking the time to to pay attention to yourself enough to know that you needed to to make that change and i'm glad it's working out for you so far i hope it continues Thanks, i know man. the last i know the last time i uh switched meds um yeah i got to be the half of one percent of people that have a side effect that mimics a std so that was really fun (laughs) that's no good yeah basically uh, i think i had gonorrhea for a week that was awesome that's that's no good that's no good at all yeah i mean when i i remember when i had to switch meds um i forgot what i was on i think i was on zoloft and it didn't work for me at all then i switched alexa pro but when i was on zoloft i just felt like i was i was in a fog cloud all day and i started taking it like in the middle of summer when we we're having like beautiful 70 80 degree days and i just i just felt like i was in a cloudy day the whole time and it's just it, it was hell to get on and hell to get off and to get that all balanced and that's a whole deal for sure so process that's for sure yeah So, David, I don't know how uh, how how well you'd be able to answer this, but um, my girlfriend's brother has 
his schizophrenia and he's i know his battles are just unbelievable he's just it's 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 a tough way to be but he's got he's got schizophrenia he's got like schizophrenia that's what he's diagnosed with so would you mind uh th explaining the difference between uh schizoaffective and schizophrenia or just explain schizoaffective as you know it so schizoaffective is the ongoing of schizo schizophrenia so te technically schizoaffective you have bipolar episodes or depressive episodes schizophrenia you hear voices and you know the typical schizophrenia voices uh hallucinogens and all that stuff so with me is schizoaffective is i have bipolar so like i have the onsets of schizophrenia but they're not to the extent of schizophrenia that's called schizoaffective so schizoaffective how old is he um he's 32 i believe 32 yeah so he is like i mean i'm probably gonna get there um i'm not there yet uh so you hear voices but the thing about it is like you don't people think you hear voices about like doing rational shit it's just you hear voices of stuff that happened in your past that's what happened to me um but with schizophrenia it's i'm not there yet um but i can't tell you what he's going through but all i know is it's gonna be a rough battle um it's kind of like dementia um yeah it's uh that's a tough question i i can't tell you i think you answered that reasonably well enough just <laughs> at least on my end because i know what his schizophrenia is like it's tough for him to function like he's uh he's not really able to hold down a job his his meds are pretty rough like it, it's a balancing act with his meds all the time to like make the voices in his head calm down enough where he can just like sit down and eat and and you know the the opposite of that is if they they can like, get meds and just knock them out the whole time you know i feel like schizophrenia is like super heightened anxiety where you just hear like things that or you're like so yeah. anxious you can't stop thinking about it you know? yeah. and i i i can kind of see that i i feel like i see that in him but i certainly can't speak to his experience because it's just it's one of those things that we just know so little about right now yeah, you just, it's one of those, you just have to, you know, it's, it's going to be a battle and I wish him the best. Like, I can't tell you, you know, what's going to happen. It's just, my aunt had schizophrenia pretty bad and she lived until she was about 65. Um, it's just a lot of med changes med dose changes and all that stuff that's a tough question i've never been asked that before <laughs> it's all it's all right <laughs> it, at least at least because i have the baseline of kind of knowing a little bit of how schizophrenia affects an, an individual in my life i kind of I, I hear what you're saying and it made sense to me I, i'm pretty oh, sure yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I had no idea what what the difference was between the two david so until you explained it it's it's something that you know you don't hear about or know about you just hear you hear about schizophrenia itself right but you don't hear about the 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 effective piece i had no idea that was even a thing so 
you know, it's schizo, a little bit more of awareness out there, right? The thing about schizoaffective is it made me the hockey player who I was. You know, yeah. people talk about, they get scared about stuff like that, but you talk about autism. Most people who are autistic have like a super ability, like the dude that can draw like a land, like a whole skyline with just like, sure, going just up watch it. Like, I think schizoaffective helped me understand the game at a whole nother level when I played, just because I could see things that most people couldn't see. Like, I could shoot the puck that most people could dream about. I'm not sitting here to toot my own horn, but, you know, to understand how the game works, like the flow of the game. All right. Uh, anything else we really want to talk about on the, the mental health side of things? And and how we got to where we are i guess my question and i don't know much like some of uh matt's last couple questions i i don't know how good of an answer you have for this but what do you think colleges can do to make athletes more comfortable with either you know talking about their issues or being like, like what what else do you think the colleges could or should have done to help make things easier they, for you to be college, open about what's going on i think they every team should have a team psychologist either being d1 d2 d3 i think every team should have a personalized psychologist okay that's there with every meeting in there for every coach's meeting so they can understand what's going on because a lot of coaches can play like a whole. <laughs> That's Jacob. <laughs> That's okay. It's uh, he's mostly not in the picture. So because <laughs> of the, the, the whiteout. Psychologist. Yeah. That would just, go a long way. I think. Yeah. I think or a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things you, you, you hear a lot of pro sports teams talking about that, the sports psychologist or whatever. Right. But it doesn't necessarily filter down to the lower levels once you start to work your way down. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the D one level, it, it's probably something that should be there. Yeah. I'd agree with you. I think that if David's story served any purpose to me, it's that we really like, I know we always talk about treating mental health, like physical health, but I think that's a great step in actually putting our money where their mouth is with that one. Because yeah. I think yeah, I you have an athletic trainer, right? You have an athletic trainer. You've got a whole bunch of guys that are coming from similar backgrounds as David, who are probably leaving that they're leaving the house when they're 13, 14, 15 years old to go play somewhere else. They're during those like formative years of their life, and that's and right after that, they're going to they're they're entrusting a whole new set of people in a new place, and somebody who's got a who's who's got a who's got bills to pay, mouths to feed, doesn't necessarily need to care about if your needs are being met it's i i feel like that's a necessity i think i think that's a great suggestion mm-hmm. i agree well, that's great uh so um to kind of wrap up this segment uh david i know that when your your cabin's in the sioux right yes sir yeah, so you, I know that you got a chance to watch the Huskies at uh, at Taffy Abel earlier this year, and I know that you still 
haven't been back to uh, the McGinnis to kind of uh, tackle that inner demon. And if you don't ever, I understand that's completely fine. But um, what what was it like to see the team um, in a place that you played before? Like what was going through your head? How What was that like for you? There was a lot. There was a lot of emotions. I was down sitting by the glass and I just saw it was, it, it was it was a good it was a good feeling. Um, it was you know I saw number fifteen out there and realized it wasn't me. But uh, <laughs> it was it was it was good. It was it was a good feeling. I think they lost the game. Tech lost the game. I went and watched. Fortunately. Okay. Well, then you're not invited anymore. No. Aim was gonna. He keep keep giving me tickets, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. It happened. I know. I I had a good laugh with um, Suzanne and Joel in the hallway from the from the yeah, well, we, to well, we the lost. To our hotel after the <clears throat> loss to Western because I was like, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I've been to three GLIs now and I've never seen him win a game. Uh, and she's like, oh, good. It's somebody else's fault. <laughs> yeah, Suzanne's always a riot because she's just as much a fan of the team as we are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, can't win them all, right? Uh, no, that's great. To So is that the first time you've watched them play since? That's the first time I watched them play. Okay. Yeah, that that's 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 a good start. It's a good start. Uh, it's a good step. The uh, the the locker rooms look completely different. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy what they've done to that. So yeah, they completely renovated the place. So maybe you won't recognize it at all, and it'll be a brand new experience. <laughs> no, still <laughs> walking not, in like but... the hockey education. You, we still got to get you there. So maybe we can blindfold <laughs> you till we get you to the the golf simulator, and then walk through. Perfect. <laughs> so. But yeah, did did you want to stick around for talk about the last weekend's games or any of that stuff? You're ready to get going. I'm ready to get going. All I right. really well, appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks for joining yep. us. Yeah, we, we really appreciate on. having you on for for Bell. Let's talk this year. Yep. Thanks, David. Yeah, I, thanks so much for coming on. I'm gonna make sure that we uh, plug your Instagram when we get the liner notes out there. And it was it was really cool of you to come on, and I really appreciate your bravery and talking about this whole situation from the time we wrote your article to now. Yeah, I'll probably post on Facebook about how we talked and stuff like that tonight. So, all right, good. Yeah, if they don't want to wait till Thursday, they can listen earlier if they want to pay. (laughs) (laughs) I said if they don't want to wait till Thursday when they should get it as the public, but I'll I'll make sure I uh at least share it to you at some point, like the link to to go find the liner notes and everything, so you can share it if you want. So cool. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Well, let's take a brief moment to run our snicket set of ads, and we'll be back to talk about the Desert Hockey Classic. We fund everything a tech hockey guide from listeners like you. 
You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at fibkedental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. All right, welcome back. Let's get right into the Desert Hockey Classic. I did not get a chance to watch anything but highlights because I was kind of curled up in the fetal position, especially Friday. Um, <laughs> feeling better didn't really happen. I got sick. Uh, let's see. Two, Wednesday morning, I woke up with a sore throat, and it just kind of got worse until Saturday morning, and now I'm kind of on the men's here. I was kind of worried about today, but thankfully I felt good enough this afternoon to actually clean up my desk, reorganize it a little since it had been very disheveled to collect all the equipment I needed to take it to the GLI. And I realized that I didn't grab anything I said I was going to grab as we left either. <laughs> like a microphone well, for yourself yeah, and all that? Yeah. yeah well, right. we'll fi- we can figure that out sometime. Yeah, whatever. You're all back over here again. Yeah. You know what? My biggest takeaway from the weekend is now we get to commandeer the bean pot. <laughs> Let's go. I was losing it that whole yeah, second. If, if Arizona can't give us a trophy, we might as well take the bean pot. We're taking the bean pot. All right. Oh, B, you can well. have it back when they come back to Houghton and try to get it from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Friday night was... so. From from your guys' perspective, did you guys both watch? Yeah, yeah, I was able to watch both games. So your guys' impression of Friday night, like, uh, Friday night was just good. Shut them down, hockey. It was fun to watch. That's, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like that game against Arizona State, like. The whole weekend, I was just thinking about who are we going to play tomorrow? And, like, that's not a good attitude for a player to have. But as a fan, I was just thinking, all right, if we lose this game, we're probably playing Air Force. It would be nice to bounce back with that. If we win, we're probably going to play BU, and that's going to be a huge test. I'm not going to expect to win, but I'm going to go in there and try to see, like, what what they're all about and their flash and dash style. But Friday night. saying, but. But Friday, so we get the early lead on the shorty, but that means yep. we took a penalty that early. Yep. Uh, uh, like, so did uh, you did you feel like they showed up Friday night after a week and a half off? I absolutely felt that way. Even after ASU got their shorty, even after ASU got their shorty and tied it up, I, I just felt like the team had it under control. I felt like they just there wasn't a point where they were going to lose that game. Like, I felt like they were just going to find a way to come back. And once they got that next goal, I was like, all right, here we go. Okay. I, d- I, was, I didn't yeah. get uh, a great sense of that from Dirk, but that's hard to get sometimes when you're in and out of. Yeah. Like, I basically laid in bed half asleep for yeah. most of Friday. So, um, like, I remember hearing 
the shorty. I remember hearing the second shorty. I, you know, like I remember hearing everything, but like I have a hard time when I listen to Dirk. I have a hard time ca- sometimes get, catching, or I, I can't. I have a hard time making my own assessment of how they're playing from Dirk. Like I know what Dirk thinks, but like I don't get to see it, so it's harder for me to to have that sense of do I think they showed up or did they have some lucky moments and. And the, the biggest thing to me that we talked about this at the GLI show was the biggest thing, the biggest difference to me beyond the way they played overall is Blake made the big saves. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was and that was, the, that was a difference too. all weekend. Absolutely. All yep. weekend. He, he yeah. completely deserved being the tournament MVP where he did not make those big saves to set the tone against Western. He did this weekend, especially against BU and to some extent against against Arizona state, but against BU, you know, Joe said it in the post game that he's like, how'd you win that game? Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, let's be honest. The BU game was holy crap. First periods are awesome. Uh, Yeah. We're under siege. Yeah, so <laughs> but it wasn't the, even but it was it was that, but it wasn't like it didn't like I never really period, felt the second period was under siege. The third period was there were a couple of shots. spots where it was where it was even. Yeah. I think I think the but even even then I think if you could break it down more, it sounded like BU just kind of really dominated their power plays, but didn't score. Yeah. Yep. Well, even so they got. I like would bet. I would bet on the on Michigan them. Tech. I would bet on the Michigan Tech penalty kill before I'd bet it on my life making it to tomorrow. <laughs> it is just. It is, it is lights out. I loved it, but the whole time on Saturday, like we had the we had the three goal outburst in the first period, and I was juiced up. It, like I literally had to like I wasn't allowed to scream because I was at my girlfriend's house and she's got neighbors all <laughs> over the place in like a renovated old house. Yeah. So in order to get energy out, I literally went for a run. Like I don't <laughs> go for runs, but I like I got out the door and I went sprinting. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And yeah. then I got back and it was still on the screen when I was like wheezing away and it was it was unbelievable. And then for the rest of the game, I had this unshakable feeling that I was watching a Ferris State game <laughs> because they went out there, they potted three quick ones, absolutely shocked them, and then were ready to lock it down on D. Yeah, what they three. did is not sustainable. What they did is not repeatable. But what they did well, but, was grind but, it out and win the game. But so, but the like, they got outshot thirty-three to twenty-three. That's not. Crazy. It's not, it's not horrendous. No. No. But it's they, not, they scored three and they gave up bad. two. Like, no, it's not that. Yeah. Like, the second period was very fair state esque. I, I give you that. Because they're outshot 12 to 4. And then, like, the last few minutes when BU pulled the goalie. Was... Yeah, that was tough. And, yeah. but, but you're going to have that with a team like BU. Like, they're, they're going to make you question things. Like, that, that power play. So did they score right as like that the the three yep. two goal there, was was an extra was that like an extra attacker? What was that? I don't remember what happened, but that goal was just the flukiest, like worst luck Blake could have. Like I was just okay. I, yeah, was, that I was more like was poop. <laughs> I knew the way that BU was playing, they were due for a break, but 
that just sucked because Blake did everything that whole game to keep him in and then just has a bad one going yeah, off. His it, leg. And, it, and to his credit, he did a good job it, of shaking it, it off and keeping him in the rest of the game. It but. barely rolled in. Like it, it was – yeah, that one was – It was – it was as garbage as garbage sees. That's not a go- that's not a goal you want to show to somebody that you want to have become a hockey fan because they're gonna be like, "This is the stupidest game in the world." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was uh, quite frustrating to see. I just want to say that it's it, it's easy for us to kind of like talk a loss to death, but I feel like I was almost dumbfounded by how good of a win that was for Tech. That was. Yeah. Like the Arizona State game, I more or less expected. I feel like it could have gone either way because you know hockey's a sport where anything can happen they had to be they had to come in ready to play i felt like it was and i feel like we're starting to grow a rivalry with that team it's kind of cool that it's it's a it's two teams that geographically don't make sense to hate each other but somehow they do <laughs> it's yeah so it's just it's that it's kind of cool to see that budding rivalry i hope we keep getting invited down there and keep getting invited to the tournament because i think it's a neat like hopefully little, the tournament like, before the tournament happens next time the trophy and hopefully the they have and hopefully they have the championship game as the late game and don't oh, just Joe, do the, do the if you want to talk about poverty moves yeah <laughs> putting the putting your game as the late game even if it's the third place game well the gophers did that for years they were right 90 some percent of the yeah time. and what happened to that tournament well that's yeah it's probably <laughs> the same reason that going. michigan's not in ours anymore what's that joe mentioned we're going back down there possibly next year for it right i mean he did call that out yeah, he said that if we can make room, if we make room they, for they it, they're they're invited again. I was like, well, maybe tickets aren't ninety bucks. I'll go. And he also, I would love that. That's the, another the fact that uh, the year after, there's a California tournament that there's interest for us to go yeah. to as well. Palm Springs, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be nice. I've, and I know I have no idea yeah. where Palm Springs is, but it sounds like a nice place to visit in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, if there's an excuse to travel for tech hockey, I would like Michigan Tech. Is currently 14, 6, and 3, and 13th in the pairwise with nothing but CCHA games left. That is crazy to me. They are <laughs> propping up the CCHA as far as pairwise goes, uh, and Cratch to, to some extent, because obviously, if Michigan Tech wasn't 7 and 1 in non conference, the non conference record would be even worse than it is. Michigan Tech basically has a third of the conference's non-conference wins. So It's definitely, I think, not where we expected to be this year at this point in time. And it's no, I really, I really didn't think that yeah. I would have to put any thought into what I'm doing regional weekend. Yep. Yeah, I just I, had that. I, I had that thought as well. Like, oh, I had that thought it? as soon as the BU win happened. I was I like, "No, I've agreed to is... certain things in March that I didn't expect to have to worry about. Maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I have the Red Wings game on my birthday, but that's a weekday, so that shouldn't matter. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, that was totally a thought that crossed my mind as well, because now as long as Tech can more or less take care of business in conference, we may well be looking at an at-large bid regardless of tournament results. Yep, we do have, we don't. do still have to take care of business in conference and yep, we've got to win you know three quarters of your games the rest of the way out. Uh, yeah, but if they can, three quarters depending on how who who it's against and whatnot. The, but yeah, the only real tragedy of all this is now we got to hope BU does well the rest of the year so they can help prop us up too. Well, we uh, BU 
Alaska. Western. Well, probably not to a lesser no. extent, but yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess Western, but BU, Alaska, St. <laughs> Lawrence. St. Lawrence going on a tear in the second half would be very helpful. But trying to get any of those teams we beat that are close to the top 20. So Arizona State, too. Getting those teams into the near us would be good because then we have a better shot at getting better quality win bonus. I think that's actually why we dropped to 13th is because Arizona, because yeah. uh, Alaska dropped out. Alaska dropped out yeah. when they split down. We yeah. yeah. well, I mean, Alaska's not having a bad year either. I mean, not at all. They're, they're, uh, they're 11, 9, and 2 themselves and have played, you know, big name teams for quite a bit of them. Yeah. Uh, the rest of their season drops off in difficulty um, immensely. All they've got left is Anchorage in a series, Arizona State. Two series against Long Island, and then Lindenwood. So, um, I mean, there's not a lot of upward movement potential for them. I would think with that s- schedule going out, unless they win like everything, right? Their win yeah. percentage is a big part of that. Yeah, if they can win out, which yeah. So, I mean, Alaska Anchorage hasn't beat them in I don't know how many games at this point. It's like embarrassing. I think how long that streak may be going. Yeah. Um, then they've got, like I said, the two series versus Arizona State and two versus Long Island. So, I mean, they're putting on the airline miles like nobody's business. Uh, now they don't, anyways, but going all the way to Long Island, going all the way down to Arizona State. So, they, I don't think, is, is one that's going to help too much there. If they would have, if they would well, have, they, uh, but I mean, if they, if they win and they should, they, they really should, they should, Anchorage, they should sweep Long Island, they should sweep. Lind- well, Lindenwood's been tough. Um, yeah, Lindenwood's been a tough out. Yeah. out. They've been giving uh, some good teams a tough, tough go. Yeah. But if they can find a way to 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 sweep Anchorage and sweep Long Island, and then win three or four of those other six, I think they could still end up top twenty because that win percentage would be big. But who knows? They'll probably not because of how bad Long Island and Anchorage are. But who knows? Leonard Woods actually playing a three-game series against Alaska Anchorage to close the season out. That's weird. Well, you got the games, take them, right? Well, they're up in Alaska, and they're playing five games from the 3rd to the 11th. They play at Fairbanks yep. on the 3rd and 4th, and then the 9th, 10th, and 11th play in Anchorage. Might as well. Yeah. It's a long flight. Might as well get, get it done, right? Yeah. Yeah, but... Just an absolutely huge weekend for the team. We yeah, went into sure. the we went into the weekend like twentieth in pairwise, and we're walking out as we sit right now, according to CHN, at thirteen. Yeah, the pretty place to be. I'm n- I'm very excited about that. Yeah, like I said, I had no expectations of of post CCHA tournament watching yeah. hockey. So yeah, it. It's really cool to see Michigan Tech sitting where they are. We should probably wrap up this podcast now. Yeah, <laughs> we should. I think for me, I I still think of this team as like I think of them as maybe an average to slightly above average talent level compared to the general NCAA. But I think the difference this year has been in coaching oddly enough, which is I feel like our systems have just our systems game has just been fantastic. It's been able to shut down some really good opponents, and uh, 
What I, I know it's a weird thing to talk about with Joe, like selling the team so low this year, but it just feels like the systems that have been in place for for the team this year have really been the difference. Sometimes I think, for me, I think a lot of Joe's low expectations are related to how bad things went the first time he had this much turnover, and it and just him probably just trying to set the bar low. Maybe so he doesn't put pressure on them. Maybe so he doesn't, uh, whatever. But it's it's working. And the other thing that I've said a couple different times, especially after the BU win, is how many times in sports, especially college sports or high school sports, do you see the team after the team that's supposed to do something be the one that actually does something? And that's what we're seeing what we might be seeing out of Michigan tech here is they lost a lot, but there's a lot of players on this team that learned a lot from that and they're growing into it and they're finding a way to win now. And, and it's magical and, and who knows how far it'll take them. I'm happy to be in a spot where I'm just kind of enjoying it. Yeah, honestly, no, me too. Who knows? To Maybe this is the first team that wins an NCAA tournament game, and who knows how long it might be. That they would certainly be, have the chance. An, even making the tournament is an over the moon thing for me. Hey, fuckhead, get down. Um, <laughs> yeah, like for, a cat Yeah, yeah. For so anyway, my uh, for those <laughs> listening and not watching, my my cat got up and tried to close me out of the but. <laughs> Um, if, if this team even makes the tournament, that'll be above and beyond my expectations. But if they win a game, I'm probably going to need to go for another run. <laughs> yeah. And and this would be a great year, I th- think. Let me look at pairwise again. Wouldn't this would be a good year to end up in a regional in North Dakota, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, because Nodak's not going to be there, right? I mean, well, they've... they're right; they're sixteenth, so they could still get in there. Uh, but yeah, so we've got one drivable region again. Um, the drive is horrendous. The drive to Bemidji is bad enough. <laughs> Throw the other half of Wisconsin or Minnesota on it; it's no fun. <laughs> I don't know. At least, at least you don't have to drive through anything like Chicago. Hey, Chicago was fine. It was north of Milwaukee. We had our trouble. <laughs> yeah. And one minute remaining in the podcast. Yeah, I think that's all we kind of had hashed out uh, to to chat about. Yeah. I think it's the, I think the, it's good to call. Brief. I think we had a yeah. great conversation about everything. It was really nice to have David on and to be able to recap a yeah, fantastic weekend. It's 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 tougher to talk to death a really good weekend than it is a really bad weekend, and it's kind of nice in a way, you know. Yeah. It was some enjoyable hockey. I don't have much on loss in my fingernails after the, uh, you know, uh, being a game. But... <laughs> I didn't have left, much left of my vocal cords or asthma inhaler after that game. But I, <laughs> no, I definitely yelled a few times. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Uh, we've got a bunch of different levels at different price points. Check them out. Uh, 
you can follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Uh, if you leave a rating, Dustin will read it live on the podcast. We need some more of those. That'd, that'd be fun. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. And if BU wants the bean pot back, they better come get it. <laughs> Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha